Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gabaza, and for today, we do touch, you know, it is one of our last shows for uh, 2021, uh, but we do want to touch on something that has become, um, you know, somewhat of a theme, you know, through 2021, and if not through uh, the pandemic period, and that is uh, the cryptocurrency markets. Um, before you'd remember that on this platform we were talking to the guys like um, the guys from Luno uh, the guys from uh, the guys from Luno the guys from altcoin trader you know all of those different platforms you know where uh, people were doing cryptocurrencies but then uh, we've started having more and more discussions with some of the more um, established or quote-unquote traditional um, players in the investment world and uh, today uh, we do continue with that thread uh, talking to the guys over at uh, Satrix. Uh, Satrix is uh, probably the biggest, um, you know, ETF provider um, in uh, on the African continent, and we are going to be talking to them today um, because Satrix is, you know, specialized when it comes to ETFs. But for today, we are going to be talking to them about uh, cryptocurrencies as part of a portfolio. You know, what does it mean? You know, should we be running away completely when it comes to cryptocurrency should we be giving uh giving them a shot um where are things going you know where it comes to something like this are the institutional investors really getting behind uh cryptocurrencies or is this still just one of those things uh that we're going to just have to wait and watch and to help us to sort of unpack everything that's going on we are joined by uh, nico katska who is uh, the head of portfolio solutions over at Satrix Investments. Nico, greetings to you today. Diwa, greetings and hello to your listeners. I think uh, maybe a good place for us to start. We've already mentioned just now that uh, Satrix is probably uh, the largest uh, ETF provider um, on the continent. But from your purview, uh, maybe if you could give us just a little bit of insight, you know, specifically when we speak about uh, Satrix investments and the type of work that you are doing as the head of portfolio solutions, um, you know, maybe you could talk to us about that before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's discussion. Sure thing. Uh, so Satrix is uh, Africa's largest index tracking uh, house. Uh, we manage just over 150 billion rand uh, and we have a, a wide range of portfolios that we manage on behalf of our clients. Um, this includes ETFs, like you mentioned, but also includes unit trusts, segregated mandates, uh, usage funds, for example, uh, retirement solutions. So we offer a very wide range uh, of, of products to investors, specifically aimed at generating wealth for the longer term. Um, so uh, we are part of the Sunlum Group. So we are effectively Sunlum's index tracking uh, house, uh, and we've been, you know, progenitors or uh, sort of, um, you know, the, the, at the forefront of development uh, of new technologies in the local investment space, launching the first ETF. Uh, 21 years ago last month, can you believe it? Uh, the top 40 index, Satrix top 40 index uh, turned 21. Um, so, you know, we, we regard ourselves as being at the forefront of developing technologies that um, democratize the investment process for investors and making it easy for uh, you and I and the guy on the street to invest their money, uh, get, gain exposure to equity markets as well as different different asset classes. So not only equity uh, equities, but your listeners will, will be comfortable with the concept of, of shares. Uh, but we also have a wide range of 
uh, asset classes that we do offer, um, and also platforms that that facilitate uh, investment into these products. You know, something like Satrix Now, which makes it really easy for the um, you know investor that that wants to manage their own investment portfolio. Okay, no, no, I think we sort of understand what's going on. So, where does Satrix stand? You know, when it comes to um you know, the world of cryptocurrencies. Um, as I alluded to at the beginning, we've started seeing some institutional investors around the world, you know, sort of warming up to the idea. But at the same time, you still have those that are still saying, no, you know, cryptocurrencies are a scam. Let's not get into it. You know, where do you so you guys sort of uh, stand on that spectrum? So I just want to state at the outset that I'm not a cryptocurrency expert at all. Um, and like many of your listeners, I have taken a keen interest in the blockchain technology uh, from early on, uh, but I've not yet fully warmed to its application as a means of exchange. Now, what I mean by this is that, you know, while the blockchain technology no doubt has incredible potential to disrupt many industries in our economy, uh, specifically those where uh, concepts like trust, transparency and verification of ownership is key, um, it's you know, being widely applied as a means of exchange is not necessarily an end goal of this technology. On the contrary, in, in my own you know, personal opinion on this, uh, many people confuse blockchain with fiat currencies. Uh, the primary appeal of blockchain as a technology is that it is a decentralized verification of transactions and ownership rights where, you know, no government institutional individual can influence uh, this publicly available ledger. So once it is on the ledger, it is there uh, effectively for eternity. Um, now, where we stand on cryptocurrencies, I suppose it, it's it's a it's it's a hard it's a it's a good question. It's a tough question. Um, look, we we have noticed its its appeal to many investors. We have uh, heard from many investors that you know uh, across the spectrum, if you like, that uh, when will we potentially consider uh, having a product that that provides exposure to this. Um, and you, you would also, uh, you might have picked up that the first ETF offering Bitcoin exposure started trading on the New York Stock Exchange in October, right? So the next logical question is when will we as Satrix consider uh, launching this ETF? Now, you know, this was lauded by many that, that have been trying to convince US regulators since 2013 to allow the launch of an ETF product that will provide, if you like, unparalleled ease in gaining exposure to a portfolio of cryptocurrencies. Um, but those bullish on cryptocurrencies believe that these future-based ETFs will make cryptocurrencies as an investment more accessible to normal investors um, and, you know, sort of help in, in the process of demystifying what cryptocurrencies are. Um, but we, we have to be clear that, that these ETFs that were launched um, is, is, not, is not physically holding the asset class. Um, it's important to remember that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has not approved holding cryptos itself in an ETF. It's rather an exposure to futures that track ETFs. So, in other words, buying an ETF of cryptocurrencies implies holding units in a fund that track an underlying asset, um, where this underlying asset is in the cryptocurrencies. But it's actually uh, uh, using futures contracts to facilitate that, um, which is ultimately a futures contract is just an agreement to buy or sell an asset at a future price at a specific or at a future time at a specific price. Um, with this asset just being Bitcoin. Um, so it, it's a it's a hard one. You know, uh, regulations has not quite come around to to allowing uh, um, asset managers to to combine, to put that into a, a structure that's easily tradable like an ETF. But that being said, you know, you, you have, um, uh, or, or it's never been easier for retail investors really to invest or trade across uh, uh, cryptocurrencies, you know, app-based app investing 
It's not mainstream and super user-friendly. So our partner Easy Equities has recently launched a crypto fund, EC10, uh, which invests in 10 cryptocurrencies on a cap-weighted basis. And also, you know, your listeners might know uh, that Luno offers easy access to Bitcoin and Ethereum. So there are platforms to trade it, um, but we are certainly not yet uh, there where we are considering launching an ETF, for example, that that, that uh, tracks um, cryptocurrencies. You know, one of the most interesting things, because I feel like you're right now, as you're talking, you're bringing out so many different uh, themes, you know, that uh, that people have, you know, been raising concerns about. But at the same time, some of the things that people do like about um, the blockchain technology itself and then, you know, what the blockchain technology, you know, is being used for. Because I think the perennial debate is whether if we look specifically at a specific cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, right, should we be treating that as a commodity um, or as a uh, as a commodity or as a store of value or as a means of or as a means of transacting, you know, like uh, like a fiat currency. And then at the same time, um, you sort of also get the sense that um, because I had a, a, another discussion with uh, um with one of your fellow comrades you know in the world of investments and he was saying that you know part of their specific strategy was rather than investing in the currencies themselves to your point about the, the technology they believe the technology is here and it's here to stay and it has really cool applications so instead of um investing in let's say the cryptocurrencies themselves rather invest in the technology invest in companies that look to be doing you know really cool things with um blockchain technology just so that as an investment house or as a you know provider of investment solutions you don't sort of um you know miss the boat you know when it comes to you know such things absolutely so yeah and, and i think to to your point when considering whether or not to invest in cryptocurrencies um, investors should make sure that they understand and are comfortable with the technology underpinning its perceived value, right? So what I mean by that, when invest, uh, evaluating the investment prospects of a company, uh, analysts compare the traded price to perceived fundamentals related to its, its future earnings uh, prospects. So, and, and this is interesting because opponents of cryptocurrencies point to the complete absence of fundamental value in cryptocurrencies, right? So, Despite the notion, ironically, of a clear fundamental value being elusive, even in common assets like equities, uh, there's no subjective pricing available for even equities as, an, as a share class. So the reality is just because we have no precedent for such a type of, of asset or technology or money, if you like, uh, in that it represents something other than a normal fiat currency, similar to the RAND uh, in your wallet or bank account, or, you know, a tangible commodity for that that that. Um, for the, from that perspective, it doesn't mean that it has no uh, use or value. So labeling cryptocurrencies as experiencing a bubble currently is a bit problematic because of this lack of a fundamental value that we can pin it to. Um, you know, and, and to your point, Liwa, you know, the reality is dismissing a technology due to it not having matured in its application is not sensible. Um, but this does not mean that currently available cryptocurrencies should not necessarily be regarded as, if you like, boasting future indispensable technology um, uh, value in itself. So many confuse the great power and potential of the blockchain uh, with, I mean, incredible potential applications for its application as a currency. And I think this is this is unfortunate and not necessarily true. And this is where I say, um, 
you know, budding investors in, in cryptocurrencies need to be very careful in terms of how they what they understand uh, this this uh, investment uh, or asset class, if you like, really represents. If it is simply uh, uh, if its value is simply derived from its potential application as a blockchain technology, you are kind of missing the point in that. Uh, Bitcoin, for example, as as you know, the, the most popular uh, uh, cryptocurrency out there, uh, really the, the value in it uh, is oftentimes equated to its use as a currency, and it's definitely not matured from from that perspective. Okay, no, that certainly makes sense. I think before or what do you call this, uh, I just have a. It's just a curiosity on my end, and uh, I guess the thing to appreciate is the fact that um, you you sort of seem to see or at least um, acknowledge the fact that you know blockchain really could could have uh, some some great applications, uh, you know, some great applications out there. Uh, but right now, in terms of some of the trends, you know, uh, as one of the uh, the biggest players in the industry, you know, do you sort of see other, do you sort of see institutional investors getting to a place locally um, where they start apportioning whatever amount it is? Because I think around the world, I've seen numbers like, you know, maybe one to 5% of portfolios being in, you know, things like crypto or, you know, blockchain backed type of investments. Um, how are you seeing that discussion developing, um, you know, in the local sense? And um, I guess, you know, one of those other things is, you know, um, where do the regulators stand when it comes to something like that? So I think I'll, I'll approach that question from two perspectives. So first, we we have a new generation of investors that will likely reshape our investment landscape. So the millennial, you know, the, the um, let's say the emergence of the millennial uh, investor, um, where potential is treated as tangible and open source transparency is prized very highly. So one can argue that this generation, that a generation before. Uh, would have been more skeptical of cryptocurrencies and would have been happier, you know, entrusting their savings to intermediaries with equally little or no understanding of how their retirement funds are actually managed. And that's the great irony, right? Now, one could argue that this complacent acceptance of intermediary value add to investor to investors, um, you know, it can can be debatable if if you if you don't understand exactly what it is that you're investing in, because from one perspective, just because of the compounding effect of fees. But yeah, I digress. Um, there, there are currencies available, uh, cryptocurrencies available, where uh, insiders have pointed to its its use. For example, let, let's take Ethereum, uh, which has used both as a means of exchange and facilitation of ownership right contracts. So, and this can be illustrated by the enormous growth in NFTs or non fungible token technologies that are part of the Ethereum blockchain. Now, interestingly about this is that NFTs value critically hinges on the importance of first mover advantage in linking digital assets to a blockchain. And and this is because other blockchains can very easily incorporate similar NFT type structures to their own blockchains. So in other words, you know, nothing stops a different coin uh, emerging and and, uh, applying the same NFT type structures to their blockchains. Um, But playing devil's advocate then and, and, and possibly, you know, highlighting that the, the, the potential for something like Ethereum to emerge as uh, as, a, as a means of facilitating ownership rights, um, if, if you like playing devil's advocate a bit on NFTs for a second, uh, it really shouldn't be all that foreign to us, the concept of underpinning its hype and success. Um, many point to, you know, its frailty in ordinary people being able to copy and save the same file you secured on a blockchain for 
you know, an absolute eye-watering amount of money. But we have no problem accepting the value of an original painting like the Mona Lisa. Um, even though its image can be Googled, saved, or even re reproduced, there's something special to us about ownership, this concept of ownership. So again, we should not dismiss technologies due to our current inability to conceptualize its future potential. You know, scoffers and naysayers are seldomly the ones profiting of new and exciting technologies, to be fair. Uh, in terms of where we are locally, you know, from, from an institutional perspective, you know, many South Africans already invest in cryptocurrencies um, with strong views both against and, uh, and in favor of doing so. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, platforms like Luno, for example, have made investing in cryptocurrencies incredibly easy to do, uh, providing investors the ability to allocate some part of their investment portfolio to this digital asset class. Um, its main draw is really that it offers less tech-savvy individuals uh, who may not be comfortable managing, for example, a crypto wallet uh, and trading on a virtual exchange directly, the ability to exchange their, their RANDs for Bitcoin or Ethereum. So a lot of South Africans are already doing it. Uh, in terms of where we are from an institutional perspective, whether you'll see a Satrix offering uh, you know, some, some fund with, with cryptocurrencies in it, uh, that remains to be seen. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, we are noticing that a lot of investors are taking note, um, but these are sort of your new generation of investors. I think, um, you know, oftentimes U.S. regulation and, and, and developed market regulation kind of lead our own uh, regulatory efforts. And if that is anything to go by, then certainly there's a lot of apprehension uh, for for allowing regulation to uh, to make it easy to 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 construct collective investment scheme vehicles. Uh, that house these uh, type assets. And to give you an example uh, of that, um, you know, only last month uh, a crypto ETF was launched and this still uh, is, is sort of offers synthetic exposure to, to cryptos. It doesn't actually hold actual cryptocurrencies, as I mentioned earlier. So, you know, I, I think there's ways to go uh, in terms of regulation, offering uh, clients an easy way to expose some part of their portfolio to it from, you know, more formal perspective, if you like. So if you, if, if you know, your large asset management houses, but certainly retail investors that are interested have the ability to invest in cryptocurrencies um, and, and, you know, are, are, are doing so. But, but we would, of, of course, caution there that, you know, this, this, this should only be a part of your um, savings pool or your portfolio that, that you're willing to and able to lose money on. I, I, I would certainly not bet the house on it. Uh, I, I, I like that last word. I wouldn't bet the house on it. Um, you know, I, I was reading something that uh, that you wrote um, recently around this issue of cryptocurrencies, and I think it it sort of speaks to you know this discussion and debate that we're having right now. Uh, because one of the th one of the first things that you say is you know people should you know those that are wanting to take um, a plunge, you know, dip their toe um, in the crypto pool, so to say, should invest through a reputable and regulated provider. And, uh, you know, that sort of seems, it seems like sound advice. Uh, but at the same time, you then think to yourself, you know, what does that actually mean in today's context? Because, you know, if you look around the world, some of the biggest providers or the biggest um the the biggest platforms that people are using um to trade right people people will go to you know something like uh 
there there are some of the crypto exchanges you know we've got luno etc and then we've recently had you know one of them i'm just forgetting its name that uh, just had an ipo in the usa and a lot of people have decided that they're gonna go um the direct way you know just sign up for an account and invest in this thing uh because a lot of the institutional guys they haven't really cemented their positions so you know lend you know giving the advice to you know retail um investors on that end to say should you get into the crypto world you know might be a bit tough if they themselves aren't getting into it how do you how do you rationalize that tension you know uh because if as an institutional investor you yourselves are not investing in a particular you know in the world of cryptocurrencies um how does that you know, how does that work for retail investors that really do want to get involved? So it's, a, it's an interesting question. I think with, with all investment strategies, um, enlisting the help of a qualified financial advisor is a good idea. And there's, there's benefiting in going the route of um, acquiring the services of a large institutional management house that, that understand all the complexities behind uh, investments. Um, you know, factors like an investor's age, the size of your portfolio, your earnings potential will all play a strong role in how you invest. Um, you know, so, so what, what might be a sensible investment for me might not apply to, to yourself. Um, so your investment plan really should generally include some slow and steady investments, um, and less risky, uh, investments at that, that, um, and, and then of course, you know, nothing stops you from holding other more riskier, um, investment uh, assets that add the cream on the top, if you like. So the, the spice, you know, you mentioned meat and potatoes earlier. I think, um, you know, adding the spice to your portfolio, your overall portfolio might be sensible. So holding something that gives you high potential upside, but, um, you know, certainly, certainly this, this should be, this should be done only on the, on the portion of your portfolio that you can stomach significant losses on if you do want to expose your portfolio to cryptocurrencies. Now, Satrix offers, for example, the MSCI World Index ETF or the Satrix Balanced Fund and many more that provide strong returns in less risky underlying assets um, and also a diversified portfolio. Now, these are excellent counters to a more risky option such as cryptos, where if you do consider uh, holding some portion of it, um, you know, I, I, I would I would always recommend holding it as as, as only a part of your portfolio where you can, you can stomach the losses on. So, that tension will continue, I suppose. Um, and you know, it's 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 it, it's always interesting to think about the regret cycle. So we often have this in in hype-driven cycles where early adopters or you know your visionaries get in on the action early. So be it in tech stocks or new technologies, or cryptocurrencies, you have your visionaries and your early adopters. They they get in early. But by the time even astute investors start to notice, they miss the most profitable early stages. And by the time ordinary investors notice, you know, the bus is often all, all but passed. Now, but this is just noticing it, right? Acting on this instinct typically only happens, off, happens after noticing. So when further returns are noticed but not enjoyed, this leads to extreme FOMO and, of course, regret, you know, which is then followed by action, oftentimes at the peak of this cycle. Now, this unfortunate cycle of missing opportunities early and getting in when the opportunity is passed is exactly why we would advocate for, for using CIS-type structures that are managed by professionals, um, which might not deliver the same, you know, eye-watering returns. Uh, if, if you if you read the media, you know, you're going you're gonna to read stories of early investors in Facebook or early investors in cryptocurrencies that just allocated a small part of their portfolio, and they are absolutely 
you know, that they they are, you know, they, they have enormous portfolios that they're currently managing. And you look at that and you go, well, that that can be me, right? Um, but unfortunately, this regret cycle of only noticing too late and then acting only after the, the opportunity has really matured, um, that I think is 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 absolutely there. Um, but certainly one benefit, I suppose, from from the technologies that, that are currently available to investors is that removing the barriers to holding these coins has certainly made it more accessible and attractive to those seeking to participate in the excitement surrounding cryptocurrencies. You know, so so allocating a part of your portfolio has never been easier. And it's clear that the media attention given to Bitcoin, to Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies have certainly emboldened this, if you like, crypto verve with many, if, if not most, not fully understanding the technology or appreciating its potential shortcomings um, as an investment vehicle. So this hype-driven asset valuation has in the past often led to uninformed herders, if you like, receiving calls for Christmas. Um, but, you know, we, we uh, I mean, what, what, I, what I like about what you said as well is oftentimes regret in not investing in an asset class. Uh, that's, a, that's a real and tangible regret, right? That, that, that you can't shy away from the fact that a lot of investors have not participated in this, and certainly we're going to get, uh, we're likely going to get more and more questions and queries and pressure from uh, investors for us to provide an asset exposure to this asset class or or a fund exposure to this asset class. Um, but yeah, only only time will tell whether regulation will enable us to to actually do that. Um, and I suppose I suppose if if demand leads to to supply in this case, um, we certainly won't uh, at the outset. Uh, you know, say this, it, it's never going to happen, you know, never say never, but certainly it's not something we have plans in place currently to, to make that happen in the short term. You know, as you're talking, one of the most interesting things is sort of, um, I guess, observing the different, uh, also what I'm looking for, the different threads, because it's really like a universe of thoughts. Uh, that a person really has to have when you know deciding on something like this how much of my portfolio you know is it is it backing the technology or the coins on top of the technology you know who do i invest with who do i seek advice from you know do i do i go direct or do i you know sort of make sure that uh my fund manager or my people you know provide some type of uh you know, some type of exposure uh, to some of those asset classes. Um, this one is a, a curiosity, like I said. Uh, one of the most interesting trends that's been happening in the world of investment, and I think this was uh, the the first conversation I ever had with you, Nico, was around uh, uh, when Satrix came. Uh, you guys launched your your ETFs recently that um, that are sort of talking about you know sustainability, ESG, um, all of that. Do you see something like ESG and all of that getting into uh, the crypto debate? Because I think I've had some hints of it already, um, especially when it comes to the crypto mining, the amount of electricity and power uh, that all of those different technologies are actually taking up. Um, as this stuff becomes more mainstream, do you see some of those other trends that are already affecting how people are thinking about portfolios in equities, etc., you know, and sort of filtering into this new realm of, uh, you know, the blockchain and cryptocurrencies? It's a very interesting question. I think, um, you know, to your point, as, as I mentioned earlier as well, we have a new generation of investors 
emerging and they, they will completely reshape our investment landscape. You know, um, you currently have investors that highly prize uh, sustainability, um, implementation of, of measures that, that facilitate uh, sustainability and, you know, uh, uh, environmentally conscious investor. And certainly that's going to that's gonna have an impact on, on how assets are managed. In fact, we currently already see that uh, in our own um, asset management fraternity where ESG is becoming part of part of everything we do, you know, and if, if, if European regulation is anything to go by, uh, we're certainly going to see more and more pressure from institutionals as well as retail investors uh, for us to adopt sound, uh, you know, sustainable investing principles. Um, and, and certainly we are looking at, at that in our own products and uh, structuring our own investment philosophy around considering responsible investing. Whether cryptocurrencies itself can be regarded as, uh, as you know, Offering some sustainable element to it, that's debatable. I think there's there's a lot of dissenting views out there that cryptocurrencies, in fact, are are quite a it, it's quite a dirty technology because the the electricity involved in mining Bitcoin, for example, I mean, it is staggering. It is absolutely staggering if you compare uh, the amount of electricity required to mine Bitcoins, and you know you compare that to the, the electricity output of entire countries. So I mean, it, it's there's no doubt pressure uh, from that perspective, but also the interesting thing is that um, a lot of the excitement is driven by this new uh, generation of investors that are also green-minded, you know, and, and have sustainability uh, at heart. So it's going to be an interesting tension going forward, um, how how this plays out and, and whether you'll see some green alternatives in the crypto space uh, emerge, for example. But with that comes a trade-off, right? If it's the easier it is to mine these currencies, um, the, the more it devalues the, 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 the currency itself, right? So if you think of Bitcoin, I mean, um, it, there's, there's, a, there's a peak a ceiling hit on how many can be mined. And I think that that's, uh, I stand to be corrected, but that's at what, 21 million units that are available to be mined. And we're currently at around 18.6 million units. So the reality is that the scarcity that is built into uh, Bitcoins being mined uh, actually underpins its value and, and secures its value. But there's then others that argue a coin like Dogecoin, for example, has no upper limit um, and scarcity is, is is certainly not currently uh, a concern for investors. Uh, in fact, you've seen the price um, hit hit uh, all-time highs this year as well. So, you know, whether, whether scarcity, the issue of scarcity is addressed in future uh, and how that ties back into... Um, Sustainable investing. I'm, I'm looking forward to see to seeing how that tension plays out. I think I think though overall, really, in sort of concluding on on how investors approach this, I think the challenge for investors is understanding the application possibilities and growth potential offered by cryptocurrency as an asset class, as a as a vehicle, right? And and when I say cryptocurrencies, I mean you know the composite of cryptocurrencies, the blockchain, all the technologies underpinning what we can currently trade. Um, it, it's 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 hard to place a financial value on trust on trust networks on data provenance on for example access to bona fide information uh, on ownership for example and the value and trajectory of cooperation between individuals um, it, it's it's incredibly hard to put a value on that so underpinning a fundamental value to these um, to this as an asset class and I know there's there's a lot of your listeners that will balk at the idea of referring to cryptocurrencies as an asset class. But I think we're past the point of considering it a complete anomaly and a fringe type asset as, you know, we're starting to accept it as, as, as part of, uh, you know, part of the, the, the asset, part of your asset class, um, 
availability or instruments available as an asset class. I think it, it certainly uh, allows us to trade, um, you know, and, 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 and identifying that fundamental value, I think, is, is such a hard thing to do. And it, it's, it's really, it's an interesting space. Like I mentioned at the start, I mean, I'm, I'm no expert. I've taken a, a casual interest in it for the last 10 years, and I, I do think the potential is certainly there, no doubt, uh, for, for changing and disrupting a lot of how we uh, operate in the economy. But whether as a, as a currency itself that application is going to mature, I mean, that remains to be seen. But then, you know, then again, I mean, how how there were so many um, naysayers and scoffers and dismissers of the Internet, for example, that, that labeled it as a fringe technology that will never be adopted more widely. Um, certainly, uh, you know, that, that certainly didn't turn out to be the case. So I'd, I'd, be, I'd be cautious in dismissing cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology um, simply because the, the technology hasn't yet matured. But at the same time, I would be cautious in allocating a significant part of your portfolio to uh, how this plays out and whether this, this technology actually matures and whether the asset that you hold critically um, will be the asset that kind of matures, right? Whether that be Bitcoin or Ethereum or some other variant of existing technologies. Um, now, without going too far into the weeds, you know, when it comes to some of the things that are said out there about crypto and uh, the blockchain, I've always had this thought in my mind, specifically around Bitcoin mining, um, to say there's probably a, what's the word I'm looking for? There's probably someone or a group somewhere that is trying to solve some huge, uh, you know, some huge problem. And uh, I sometimes think that all of this crypto mining and all of that, because the equations that need to be solved, you know, for you to mine Bitcoin um, out there. And I've always had this thought in my head that surely there must be someone out there who is just using Bitcoin as a, as a front so that they can have a whole network of computers around the world, you know, trying to solve this huge uh, problem, whatever it is, you know, maybe someone is trying to calculate the you know i don't know the distance from uh the earth to jupiter you know in i don't know whatever it is you know out there light years whatever someone is working on i've always had that thought uh that all of this uh, mining is is in service of some bigger thing but without you know dwelling too much on some of uh you know some of those things um i wanted us to end off the discussion just with your thoughts um around what some of the key pieces um you see next um because you know you did say that um this is not like a a big area for you you're not an expert but you know you have been you know paying attention to you know what's going on um how do you see things you know evolving from where we are now uh, do you see more mainstream adoption do you see i guess the technology such as the ones we're seeing on ethereum uh, more and more people coming out with applications or do you sort of see us continuing with this cycle of uh, speculation about the prices of um, Ethereum and Bitcoin, at least um, in, in the coming in the coming year or so? Uh, because right now that's the cycle that we're in. Uh, but it really does seem as if um, the technology, you know, does hold, you know, even more potential. Yeah, great question. Um, I wish I knew the answer because you know it, it can be it can be quite profitable to 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 know the answer to that question. Um, I I do I certainly think my, my own if if you know if if I had to let's say pretend I have a I have a, um, a 
the glass full and I could look into the future 20 years from now where this technology matures. Personally, I think it's not, not going to replace um, the need for, for fiat currencies simply because your, uh, your large fiscal institutions have absolutely no incentive to, to relinquish their, um, their, their power and influence on fiat currencies. So what I mean by that is until central banks and um, government in, governments globally start adopting cryptocurrencies as a means of exchange, I cannot see it maturing past the sort of uh, the, the, the startup phase, if you like, of, of, of new technologies as a currency specifically. Where I do see this technology starting to mature and evolve going forward is in, its, is in uh, blockchain technologies and, and its application in terms of securing uh, holdings rights and uh, you know, NFTs is a great example of a potential application that can secure ownership rights. Um, although currently it, it's 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 you know in, a, in an experimental phase where we're trying to secure ownership of digital assets uh, like you know uh, photos or even just a tweet, for example, that that one of the uh, founders of, of Twitter um, sold for millions of dollars. I mean, it, it's it's initially to the uninformed eye, it might look it might look like it's laughable and it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a craze and a hype. But I do think there's some merit in securing uh, asset ownership rights, if you like, going forward. And I think that that's where, that's where the technology, uh, the application of, of blockchain will start to uh, mature. But as a currency, I personally don't see it maturing. Um, the volatility of it as a currency is just absolutely, it's just too high. Um, its use as a currency, as, as a means of exchange, is, is, is so limited. Um, and, you know, I, I, I doubt anyone would take offense if I say the main use currently of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin is simply a speculative tool. You know, I, I know of certainly of no one that, that uses Bitcoin to buy and sell um, goods. Uh, and, and for it to mature as a currency, I think you need large institutions, central banks and governments to come to the party and say they will stop accepting it as uh, you know, means of, of, of paying your taxes, for example, uh, as a means of official uh, um, uh, currencies. And I don't see that happening. I just don't see it happening. Uh, so, you know, a, a, a currency like Ethereum that offers this ability to add assets to or you know, add digital assets to the, the, the blockchain itself. I think that that's that's quite interesting. That's quite interesting. I, I you know, I do take note of that. So that's been us. We're talking to the head of uh, Portfolio Solutions um, at Satrix Investments. That is Nico Katska, giving us some insight into what's actually going on um, in the world of uh, cryptocurrencies and also just giving some advice uh, just around some of the ways that people can get into it in a somewhat in a more uh, secure way because there's still a lot of unknowns. Um, but he's just advocating to say that at least go and uh, talk to you know a financial planning professional um, and then also then decide what piece um, of your investment portfolio is actually going to be um, behind that uh, you know highlighting different platforms such as Luno that are making it easier to invest in some of these things uh, but also then highlighting to say that you know institutional investors have been a bit wary about this um, which means that there has been a little bit of formal because you know the early investors really did make um, quite a bit of money and then the people after that you know also did uh, but those especially retail investors and those that were a bit shy they might be 
some formal that happened fear of missing out and there ends up being some regret because you would have missed um, that initial swing but going forward um, we are saying that uh, the blockchain is here and one of the things that's quite clear is to say that um, you know we might be a bit iffy about where the cryptocurrencies you know sort of stand uh, because of regulation because of central banks um, and especially central banks that are at the moment leaning more towards having uh, digital currencies of their own fiat currencies that exist now as opposed to switching over to something like a Bitcoin, right? That might hold back the ability of Bitcoin to be uh, that means of exchange. But the actual technology uh, that is... uh, fundamentally backing things like cryptocurrencies really does have some cool applications we've seen uh, the rise of nfts nfts are nothing new to 2021 uh, they weren't discovered in 2021 but they did really come to the fore um, in our um, in our lexicon this year uh, and all of that being backed by blockchain technology so it would be great to see how that space you know evolves over time what's going to be the next thing that people get into we've already seen smart contracts we've already seen ways to verify ownership um all of that you know how are people going to take all of that technology build the blockchain into um all of that and actually take you know some of the processes and some of the things that we do on a daily basis into the world of digital nico thank you so much for being with us today Thanks for being well. Have a good day. This is Mudiwa's Take. The issue of blockchain, cryptocurrencies, all of that is very interesting. And, you know, one of the big points that one takes away from the discussion with Nico is that issue of, um, you know, there's a lot of skepticism that's around this area. But when one thinks about some of the things that have happened over the last few decades, there are a lot of things along the way that people thought were going to be a fad or passing craze that have turned out to be really big, you know, so social media when uh, when Mark Zuckerberg started uh, Facebook back in 2004 it wasn't the first social media website but at the time people thought social media was sort of this little thing that was just happening on you know places like high five on myspace um, and all of that but you know to see where we are now where Facebook has over two billion people uh, you know at least a quarter of the world using its services because social media has become so entrenched in the way that we live the internet itself which literally backs uh, or is the foundation uh, for social media to even exist um, as Nico said was thought to be a craze of a, a passing fad uh, back in the day and one can even think about the industry that Satrix itself is in uh, because back in the day when uh, John C. Bogle, um, who uh, started Vanguard, one of the biggest ETF providers in the world, when he started, uh, you know, the whole thing of passive investment tracking and all of that uh, back in the day, people really didn't see uh, the potential that it had. But now you have players like Vanguard uh, that are really big in the ETF space and probably one of the biggest fund managers in the world. ETFs have really become um, a way of life so 
it's uh, it's probably wise or prudent at the moment to not dismiss um, what's actually going on. And I guess this is what we mean um, always when we say keep an open mind. The technology itself probably has uh, a lot of applications that we're going to see continuing to evolve um, over time. Because two years ago, you know, who would think that we would have been talking about meme coins such as Dogecoin or things like NFTs? You know, they were nothing new back then, but still now uh, they've really become the flavor of the day and are really helping people to accumulate wealth so seeing how all of that is going to evolve um, is going to be key but the technology itself uh, the blockchain technology um, i really do see a lot of applications for that it's here and it's going to um, probably help us to streamline a lot of processes i do remember previous conversations that we have had um, on this platform with the guys over at uh, i believe it was old mutual who were talking about rather investing um, in uh, companies that were working with blockchain as opposed to bitcoin itself just so that they can have exposure to that asset class and the guys over at standard bank talking about how they were trying to find ways to um, streamline the bond trading process using blockchain so all of those different things are nascent, uh, but it shows that people are thinking about how they use uh, this technology going forward. So at the moment, blockchain is here to stay and how all of that evolves and backing that technology is probably where the opportunities are going to be in the years to come. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.